0: Are you a starseed? Do you have a mission here on Earth? Do you sometimes struggle to fit in? You're in the right place. Join me and special guests as we share our personal stories as Galactic Ground Crew here on Becoming Iris. Hello everybody and welcome to Becoming Iris. So on today's episode I'm very excited to have a special guest and also a dear friend of mine, Sananda Christ. So Sananda and I met in Greece last year when we were called to go on pilgrimage there and it was a very pivotal moment I would say in my whole Becoming Iris journey. So I'm thrilled to have you here today Sananda and I would love for you to introduce yourself and just share a little bit about what it is that you do and yeah your service in the world.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like how to put that into a nutshell, right? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ananda Palladium Portal, and I am here as a galactic ambassador for the Palladians. I am also a Talos ambassador, a Galactic Nations ambassador, as a communications officer, meaning, what does that mean? I work very closely with all the galactics and I work with them telepathically and they speak through me. I'm very in tune to the language. So think of it as an interpreter, also an ambassador of light. And I just, what do I do? I I am here with an advanced, as one way to work with me in advanced sessions, my ray of light, which is moving you forward in your direction that is needed in alignment with your divine blueprint. I also do in person sessions and events. But also, a big part of what I do is I work with the earth. I'm called to certain places to power up dormant crystals, create or power up dormant stargates. Anything and everything that it is asked of me, I just go ahead and do it.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. And I was very fortunate to be at, I believe, your very first ray of light here in Perth, Western Australia. So that was a very powerful experience. I've done different work with you, but that in particular, that offering, it was very transformative in my journey. So thank you for that. It was very special to be part of it. And you also touched on a couple of things that I'm really excited to talk to you about today. One of them being Stargate's, and kind of tied hand in hand with that is you're so currently you're on a nomad journey and you're moving according to guidance. You've been called to different locations around the earth and working with the earth. So how we, I feel that there's been this beautiful symbiotic relationship. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's the word that came to mind, like a giving and receiving where when we came together to do the pilgrimage last year, for me, it was a big activation and I had expressed to you that there was this piece about the Stargate and you're like, oh yeah, no problem. Like I do Stargates. I was like, okay, great. I don't know about Stargates. And then there was a side event that transpired where through the coming together of this pilgrimage, you ended up meeting a special person who then ended up being your partner. So. There are many things and we have done some chats before on YouTube and different things about our journey. So I feel like it would be difficult to go into everything. But the thing that jumps out at me the most at the moment is the Stargate piece because it's come into my awareness. Like I've seen sort of like pictures online where people are sharing at the moment. It seems to be a topic of conversation and maybe like the more you know, traditional what you would think like from TV shows and the movies where they have these stargates. And then my experience twice when I've been with you at different stargates is it's very organic. It's nothing like you see like that. So I just wondered yeah. if you could share a little bit about your experience and also this thing of what is actually happening, because it feels to me that the terminology that I've heard you use is that we're powering up, we're powering up the stargates, but they're not, to me, maybe they're not actually in use right now. So that's a big question, but I just love to get your take on what exactly are we, what's happening here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I see stargates or see or perceive stargates in different ways. It could be just a feeling and knowing or a seeing it's to me, it's definitely a different energy signature and that's how I can tell the difference yeah hollywood does a beautiful way of trying to visualize what a stargate might look like to me the they're probably more like oh well, portals but at the same time is there really a difference it doesn't really matter um like i said i sense of feel them in a way and not always necessarily see them i have my own stargate that I created and placed somewhere in the world. And I call upon it. And for sometimes, what do you call it? A boost of energy that is needed sometimes to power up these dormant stargates. I mean, these stargates have been here forever, eons of time. No, can't really even, I would like to say from what I'm being, okay, so what I'm being told is A lot of them have been placed here by the Galactics. They were in use by the Galactics. Some of them were shut down so they wouldn't be found, and they weren't in use, and some of them are... It's not necessarily requiring us to come through and activate them, but yet at the same time, that's what we're doing, and and in activating them, we're activating ourselves. It's kind of like a remembrance. And... Um, so, it's coming through in light language. I'll try to interpret it. So, what they're showing me, especially the one that we did in EOS, is this beautiful stargate. With our energy, we were able to go there and create this opening. And it was like almost like a vortex going down this spiraling. Opening going down into the earth that also goes and connects to the universe. It is for passageways for people to move through or for galactics to, to move through. And it also has a, what I'm hearing is a ge, geothermal side to it too, depending on its location on the earth. I think there's many scientific, mathematic parts to it that it's almost too they're not even having me go into depth because I probably won't even understand it all. And sometimes I see them as these beautiful copper type pyramids, but they can have things at the top of the peak or on the sides that are like moving parts of it that once it's like, and it may just maybe be a symbolism for me to see that it's like starts out very slowly. And it's just kind of a validation when it's like, whipping around it's up and running that just sometimes we have our own glossary of knowing how things work or knowing when things are complete but it's ultimately it's energy. it's a form yeah. of energy yeah and I am hearing that in time we will be stepping through them and be using them.
0: Yeah I guess that's what I was getting at is that it feels like we will be doing that but right now it's almost just an energetic, like you were saying, this giving and receiving of energy, but that might evolve as we evolve to be able to go to the next step, maybe. Yeah. And I have a feeling that, so I I don't know if I discussed this with you, but my personal feeling is that the Stargate in Australia and the one in Greece are sisters and that there was some purpose to us going to the one and together and then being here and a linking that there's some kind of almost like sister cities but they're like stargates something like that yeah so it's a really (laughs) for some people this might be like a really big if you haven't really heard of stargates but I loved your explanation around that potentially at this point what we're doing is activating ourselves so it's like maybe when we go to these places, we receive activations. It's like we're giving a gift to the land and then there's been, it's an exchanging of energy. And I always feel very called to bring offerings, like whether that be a crystal or it feels like there's a lot of work to be done with the transfer of crystals, things like that. And like re-energizing through earth matter and our energy.
1: Yeah. It's just, to me, it feels like sometimes that we're being asked, to do these specific things, and it's more of a remembrance of wow, we can do this. Yeah. When we walked away, we we're like, "What just <laughs> <Which is laughs> happened?" You know. Um, and it's a beautiful remembrance. And I think also then in the future, when you know, if we get the directive, you, well, you need to go to EOS and go to the Stargate. Well, you know exactly where it is. Yeah. And whatever, however, work needs to be done there, or that might be future things that some of us are being called to do, and or bring. People with whatever it may be, there's always a beautiful higher purpose for it. And we may not understand what it is at the time, but just listening to the guidance and going and doing it, that's all you need to worry about.
0: Yeah. And then but that's a quite a challenging piece in itself, isn't it? I mean, for me, I would say definitely last year the call to go to Greece was apart from having my son, the biggest initiation I've had because there was a lot of unknown and potentially now if I did that again it would be yeah no problem but the first time it's like what am I actually doing are people going to come it was a very short window but what I learned through that experience is that when it's when called and I'd love you to speak into this from your own experience but when you you get the call and you act then things come in to support you and seemingly things that might be really big obstacles or something that's just coming into mind is getting to a flight as the gate had closed and then all of these things transpiring and being able to get through because it was with, I was supported with the purpose. So a lot of people, maybe they do get messages, but there's a lot of fear because that's a natural reaction. Like it doesn't obviously make logical sense. It's like, (laughs) it's outside of logic. (laughs) So what's been your experience? Because you've obviously been wandering with spirit going with the guides and being directed. How have you found that journey over almost 12 months now? What's been happening for you in that way?
1: I've never been led down the wrong road. And if something happens, which I can't really say anything's really happened, but if it would, it was because I wasn't living listening to direction very clearly from my guides. And yeah, I mean, obviously we still have free will, but I have a very close relationship with my guides now that I guess I must've made a contract with them that if I step out of line, <laughs> they'll come in and <laughs> lovingly. Uh, not push, but I will get, a, and it's usually, unfortunately the last one was actually some, some physical pain because I wasn't listening. And I had did have a conversation with my gu- one particular guide about that. And I'm probably sure that's never going to happen again. But it was also a lesson in me saying, I'm at a point that if I need to be really specific and listen, the guidance is there. And if I'm not really, if I'm not going to listen to keep me on track of what I want in my life and what I'm, I'm here to do they're definitely going to intervene at a much, let's just say, stronger pace. Yes. So, and you still have your healings and your things that you go through, but as you go through your vibrate, ascend and go, go through the higher vibrations, it's not there as much as it used to be. And if it does, something comes in, it's out in a few moments. You just move through it so much more quickly. Yes. And And you find out that the power of manifestation is really in the forefront. You really have to mind what you say because it will it happens. It can happen almost instantaneously. So I just know that if I get a calling for something, obviously, I still have a choice. And it has to be, as we say, a hell yes or a no. And if it's a if it's a no, then it's just a no. And it doesn't mean that it's maybe it's just not for this moment in time. Maybe it's meant for later. But if there's not a vibrational match to it, you just don't do it. And it's about really living and standing in your power. And yeah, get the minion. I just know because I know the word retreats has been floating around in my field. And I also kind of feel like now the last month or two, I've kind of moved out of that pilgrimage phase of my mastery work to I was told I could find my home now. But also at the same time, I'm realizing I feel like I'm doing reconnaissance work by going to these different places where I may have potential retreats. And I just made it very clear to my companion, Tony, that if it doesn't come through with ease and flow as we're moving through then it's not going to happen it's not going to be a retreat because i that's just what i've decided like if i'm going to be or do a retreat it's going to flow and be easily and everything's going to line up beautifully everything's going to be there that i need and it's just i guess i've come to a point of an assumption if you want to call it that that's the only way i'm going to live and it's going to be easy and joyful, ease and grace, and all that, so yeah. And so, yeah, it's a totally, yeah, you start moving into a totally different lifestyle.
0: And I it's feel that sense. just for people that maybe they don't know, they're not familiar with your story and your journey, it is a there's been a series of initiations that you've undergone, it's not that you to get to this place where you're able to say, "Hey, okay, I've made a decision that it's going to be easeful and graceful. There was obviously a backstory of, mm-hmm. and from what I understand of your journey is that it was quite a rapid ascension process. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you didn't have those difficult, all the challenging or the physical, emotional, all of those things, but that you've, Busted through, if it's the, like the term that's coming to mind, busted through out the other side. And maybe you did that in a much quicker yeah. ascent than others, which would have had its own challenges. But I also would just love to bring this in briefly because I think it's really interesting that you had a background in flying, like air hostessing. And then I just see a correlation between that and now being a nomad and like having had that. To me, the connection feels like that you've always been working with moving to different places and moving your energy and shifting your energy. So, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about briefly about your journey and what transpired. Like, how did you go from being an air hostess to what you do now?
1: <laughs> okay, so that's what a big that? question. <laughs> It is a big question. Yeah, another nutshell version. Going from being a flight attendant of over 20 years, I was in a job. I was to a point where I knew literally that it was sucking my soul dry. That's what I used to say. But I was sucking it up because I was like everyone else in the world. I was making good money and I'm just going to stick it out until I retire. And I used to say, well, I only have 12 to 15 years to go because I I already put in almost 20. And so I'm like, (laughs) And at that point, your seniority, you just, you start feeling and seeing, getting some of the better stuff. So I'm like, well, why would I quit now? I'm finally getting yeah. some good stuff. But my higher self had another plan. And first of all, I want to let everybody know, I've been awake since a child. So I've been it, awake. And then I think I went to sleep. I know there's many stories. That I had an abduction for most of my life and ended that contract. And just really coming into my awakening. But my higher self, well, and for me, the only way the higher self gets my attention is actually through physical pain, <laughs> because I have such a strong will and I just keep moving and keep moving. And I was injured. I was actually physically injured on the job that put me out. And I could not, what we call, get back to do the minimums of being a flight attendant. And so it gave me that opportunity while I was going through the physical therapy and all that to see if I could get back to my job. I was enabled me to go to Egypt twice in one year. That was 2017. And at that time, not now realizing I was going through a massive awakening, up leveling and didn't know it because I was kind of like the deer in the headlights. But it just that being able to have that time to deal with myself and then realize that, wow, I'm not going back to flying. I can't physically go back to flying. And then here comes plan B, which is opening up my own business in healing, going first, starting out with the healing perspective. And yeah, and at some point in 2016, I think when I had actually prior to that, I actually had knowledge that I was told I was going to be put on the fast track. And at that time, just being psychic and thinking, oh, cool, this will be great. And nothing <laughs> Nothing happened, but actually it did because that was probably in the fall of August, say August or September of 2016. I actually had my first bout of injury in November of 2016. And it wasn't until January of 2017 that the injury took me out and I did my last trip. So actually it did. Now, when I look back, that was quick. I got a sort of a warning and When you're told that you're being put on the fast track, it's contractual, and it just means you're going to be moving faster than maybe the norm of people going through their awakening. And I don't know, it was in 2020 or something, they told me, again, you're going to be put on the fast track. And I said, I already am. They go, well, you're going to go any faster. You're on the fast track. (laughs) I'm on the fast track. It's not. Um, does it have its perks? Yes, absolutely, because you really open up and move into your gifts and things. But there is always a—I don't want to say a downside to it. But you, things are happening so fast, you don't have time to sit down and necessarily let it integrate for a week because it's moving so fast. I I would break down because of the speed of which I was moving through things and just cry because I sometimes just didn't of what I was being asked to do. And even though I kept saying yes, I never said no to anything. It was a lot and it wasn't always fun at times, but it's what I sole contracted to do. And I learned very early on to never say, bring it on. <laughs> this makes it even worse because that's too manifest. Now I just, I just go with the flow. And I have days where sometimes I'm out for the day. I just have to be in bed all day and just kind of let my physical body catch mm-hmm. up to what is
0: happening to us energetically. And yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's a really important peace for everyone regardless of where they are on their journey whether it's someone who's very far down their spiritual journey or someone who's just awakening now is to remember that the physical body will always be the last thing to catch up that there could be all these things happening about our physical body just due to the nature of it being in this 3D reality being dense that it, it it's not moving as quickly as the other bodies I guess. So we have to be gentle, we have to be mindful that we can't just keep pushing on. And I feel like there's a lot of people just in the population at large where that's sort of how we've been conditioned is to like take pop a couple pills, keep going, show up even when that sort of is maybe what I think is going to be coming into focus a lot for people is like sometimes I just need to rest my body and allow healing or recalibration or whatever Mm -hmm. it is.
1: Yeah, And the biggest important thing to remember is never, ever compare your journey to someone else's yeah. because you're on your own unique soul journey, your soul contract, whatever that is. Listening to what your body needs, because you're also not only is your physical body catching up, but things in your life are going to start changing. The people that are you are hanging out with or being with, even family members may no longer be. You may no longer energetically be able to be around them. You're going to start your wardrobe, your jewelry starts changing things that you may have in your surrounding, in your home, even possibly selling your home, ending relationships. These are all going to take place. And I've been through this journey for myself, been single, except, well, except in the very beginning. And I actually had to, I did have to end a, a seven-year relationship because it just wasn't a vibrational match anymore. And I just knew if I would have stayed in it, I would have been, it would have been so unhealthy for me. Even though he was a lovely man, I just, I had to let us both go, so to speak, so he could continue his journey and I could continue mine. But I've gotten rid of, I've been told to get rid of all my belongings. And so last September, I got rid of three fourths of my belongings of what I had left in storage. I have a very, like a 10 by five storage unit of just things that I wasn't physically able to get through. And it wouldn't have needed more time before I started my nomad journey, but I sold my car, but I had already had been renting. So I had no house to sell. So just these things may or may not occur in the journey, just so people don't start freaking out. Like, Oh my God, I'm a, you never know because that's what my journey looked like. And If you are called and asked to do that, at that point, you will be 100% ready to do it anyway. It just will be natural. It's a natural choice, a natural decision, and it feels absolutely right. So I think it's important
0: also to say that it will also probably be challenging. (laughs) You know what I mean? It takes courage. Like I'm just reflecting. So in 2016, I fell pregnant with my son. Well, sorry, I gave birth to my son. And that was a massive awakening. He was actually born in August 2016, so it's just interesting when you gave that time frame as well. But that was like such a game changer for me in terms of my awakening and my spiritual. Everything opened up, and then the journey since then of pretty much everything you've said, <laughs> we, yeah, end of marriage, end of business, everything. It's basically like a complete overhaul. And it's been really challenging. It's not that there was really a choice, but it's been a hard journey to go through because from a human perspective, we do still have those connections to people and places. And like, it's the human part is like, oh, but the soul is like, we got to go. And I just think that sometimes it is really hard, even though, you know, the journey ahead is, the road you must go often alone in the beginning? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: There. I think the biggest thing that I learned right away in the beginning is first of all, when I was leaving my companion of seven years, I knew kind of almost like the last almost even two years, year and a half into the relationship that I felt like something was shifting and moving. And I just kept asking over and over ease and grace. And I would have actually conversations with his higher self. To help, say, can you help him in the physical accept this or have an understanding of what was going on? And yeah, it wasn't easy, but I just knew I had to stay focused on what I needed for me. Even though I know we had he we had talks about getting back together, and I just knew that wasn't the right thing for me. Even though that's what he was wanting, it. I think the biggest thing and the biggest thing I also learned by when I got rid of all, all my belongings, it's non. there's no attachment. You can't, and I, how can I say this in a beautiful way? You can't be attached to people because that's codependency. So you learn to have a non-attachment, and but in a beautiful way where you're both individual souls and people and you can see them for the journey and the light that they are in the journey that they're on and still love them. Like I absolutely love this man that I was with, but I see him for the journey that is he is on and what needed to be done for both of us. And I see that with people now and even things. I mean, obviously I've been traveling for seven months now out of one suitcase I was told several months back to only wear white. And so I've been slowly and they're very particular about which items, white items I can even wear vibrationally. And so slowly rotating out my one suitcase. (laughs) I have a few colored pieces left in there. But in time, I know when I find the right piece. It's got to go. And it was interesting how some, there was, like, especially this one jumper. And I think it was one that I had bought in Mount Shasta, was like a really big stretch for me to wear that type of clothing. And I was told it had to go. And I carried it around with me to like three different islands before I refused <laughs> to let it go. And then finally it was like, wow, I can't even. Then it was all of a sudden, I can't wear this anymore. I was mm-hmm. done with it. And I left it behind in a beautiful place that I felt it would be received to by whoever found it. So it has a lot to do with non-attachment too. We're not to be attached to anything. And St. Germain will come in and he's a big teacher on that. And yeah, ultimately what it does is it gives you freedom.
0: I love that. And I think it's also really beautiful how with this non-attachment You have choice. So, like choosing, say, for example, in your personal relationship, just choosing to be with that person rather than a codependency of like, we have to be together or there's an obligation to be together. It's like you show up each day and you choose each other. That seems to be a really beautiful thing, also. Well,
1: that happens with two soul contracts ended. The first one was with Tony, my divine partner. And while I was in Singapore, and then another one happened with my dear friend, Shakina, maybe a couple weeks later. And it was interesting when I got that information, I was actually, as a human, I was like heartbroken. I was like, really? Oh my God, I just finally found this guy. And now we're done. And I was like, wow, what happens next? Because it's been such a beautiful, we were together every day. A beautiful trip I mean he takes care of certain things as being the divine masculine and when I bring in certain things as the feminine but we sat in our room and I told him I said our soul contract has ended and he was like wow okay and we just kind of sat with it and I said we have a choice Ultimate, we had a choice and I I spoke my my feelings and my thoughts which was new for me especially in this kind of thing and there was no attachment no codependency or anything around it and I just said I would really like to continue this journey with you if it resonates if it resonates with you and whatever else I said but I ultimately it was his choice and, and there was no grabbing there was no neediness there was nothing it was very open and loving and just saying you have, I'm asking you, I would like you to stay with me, but if it doesn't resonate with me, that's okay. I still love, still love you and be happy with whatever you choose. And he sat and he was like, wow. And ultimately he chose to stay t- with me in this relationship. And so now we're going forward, we're like writing a whole new book because we did what we needed to do. And so everything is just unfolding beautifully and naturally and there's no expectations nothing and yet we're together but yet we live we have our own things that we do and then we come together and we're traveling together and we heal one another it's it's like no other relationship i've ever had so i think for me that was a huge valuable lesson in in knowing that i'm in a relationship for once in my life where there's no Attachment or neediness, and yeah, it's different. And then that's the way it should be with everybody. And I, so I try to carry that over with everyone else. And then when my other soul contract ended with Shakina, she was in shock too. <laughs> I'm like, well, here we go again. But we still communicate together. So whatever we were doing had finished. We still communicate with one another. And ultimately, I had to. And the reason why. I received the pain was because I was supposed to unfollow her on Instagram. And I couldn't, the human part of me couldn't, because I'm like, I love her. I want to see what she's doing. I want to support her. And I kept getting the pain in the ear. It was so intense. And then it would go to my right. It was because they were telling me I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to my own guidance. I knew what I needed to do. And ultimately, just to make the pain end, I unfollowed her. And the pain slowly drifted away. I then called her and said, can we please talk? And it was interestingly enough, I mean, she received it with such loving light. And she goes, well, that's interesting. She goes, because I was told to mute you. (laughs) So, uh, So she i was like, well, of course. But I allowed myself to be human, to have that human aspect and cry about it. And we both came to the conclusion that we don't need to follow one another on Instagram to still love one another and be in communication. And in fact, it's probably a better and higher vibration to do it that way than to have to be even on Instagram together. So yeah, that's beautiful.
0: Thank you. I think it's really important because as you sort of spoke into Booth before, there'll be people who come in and out when you're on the journey of Whatever you're going through personally, there might be certain people who come in and they're just for that moment in time. And there might be people you've known your whole life and they take a back seat, but it doesn't mean to say that you won't then come back together at a later part of the journey that weaving in and out. But something I'm really interested to get your perspective on is this thing about changing names, because obviously I've just taken a new name and it was something where I felt like For me personally, it was through a series of initiations and then I was gifted this name. And I know that you've had a similar thing with changing your name and it felt like you went through a process of having different names come and go and then finally you're like, hey, I've settled on the name. And I've kind of got a feeling that potentially we might be at a point with the collective where people are, seems to be coming to the field that maybe people are called to change Name. So I'm just wondering what your take on this is and what you feel is actually happening with this name changing.
1: Yeah, for me initially, it was about self worth because when I first, my first name was Crystal, then I went to Crystal Star, then Crystal Star Sananda, then I went to Sananda. It was Sananda Christ, but I didn't feel worthy enough to say Christ. I said Sananda Christ, and I can't remember where I went after that. But when I, and it was interesting because each time, I felt like I was learning and healing a part of myself, especially with the Sananda name. It was a huge worthiness piece around that. It's like, who am I to call myself Sananda? And now, and I remember they at one point they said they had me sit in my it was sit in a chair, and they wanted me to just yell it for like thirty minutes. They just kept going, go. They went finally when they said stop, I stopped, but because I had to embody it the name. And after that, whatever names I went through, I can't remember what was after that. I remember going through some names I didn't even make public that I was moving through Lady Nada, Lady Christiana. I think or I think there was also Master Sananda at some point. <laughs> it was all about embodying the name and whatever it meant for me at the time that I needed to go through. And I do remember when I was in Mount Shasta, when Sananda Christ left me, it left me through the masculine. Then I went through the Christiana, Lady Christiana and Christiana name for quite a while. And it was interesting because I had written the name Christiana in my journal two years prior. It just was a name that came to me and I just happened to find it. So I'm like, it's like you get these little clues. And then when Sananda Christ came back in, it came back in through the feminine. And so I was embodying this name now as a feminine. And I think for me that had a lot to do with I know that I've reached enlightenment before as a man, and this time I'm doing it as a woman, and I'm still carrying that Sananda Christ name. I actually, once people call me by my birth name, which is generally my family members and people back home, very limited people, it sounds really weird because it's not who I am. I'm so embodied as Sananda that feels right and it feels natural in fact I won't be surprised if they have me legally change it to that at some point
0: I was actually going to ask you about that because that's what I'm sitting with at the moment is the thoughts I've had are is it even it's beyond I guess like those old systems and structures so it doesn't really matter for one sense and then the other thing was like well if I'm fully integrating it, should I change it legally? Sorry, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Is it like, does it matter or is it different? What do you think about
1: that? It probably doesn't matter, but I think there's something, there's just another level of it of when you actually change it in the 3D matrix within yeah. the system. And I, because I, like I see myself, like when I do change, Because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing it. It's just, I don't know when. It's like I see the name and I see this beautiful energy expression that goes out from it through everything in my life.
0: It's almost um, like anchoring it into the matrix, isn't it? Like anchoring that energy yeah. down into that.
1: Yeah, it is. It's about really bringing – I mean, I'm living through the matrix and whatever vibration I'm at. As Sananda, I, I introduced myself as Sananda, but there's something like I said, there's another level of putting it on the all the legal documents, your social security, your driver's license, and all these legal documents that our matrix run I think there's like probably like some sort of energetic ripple effect that's going to take place yeah, yeah. well
0: exciting I feel like I could talk to you for hours but <laughs> is there anything that you would like to do you feel called to share anything or any final words of wisdom or just whatever wants to come through you at this moment in time
1: I do feel some light language coming through. There's always usually a beautiful activation or message in it that your higher self and heart will know. Part of this message is to just really honor yourself and really be who you are. Don't try to be like somebody else. You're no longer here to follow people. You're here to be yourself. And whatever that looks like, and accept yourself. Beautiful burst of energy coming from my heart outwards. We go. Whatever that there was this, I shouldn't say whatever, this beautiful expression of energy that came in and into your heart. And it felt to me, it felt like it really went quantum, just going out and spreading out, not only through your etheric field, but out into the world. And they were reminding me to say that if you are being asked to go on these journeys, there might be a part of it where you need to do it yourself, please honor that because the lessons will be invaluable, what will transpire. And there's no set time frame unless they say a specific timeframe that you get to take your time. And then at some point, I feel like more and more, more of us are going to be traveling together around in groups. And that kind of already started with Tony and I, with a beautiful Donette joining us, for, I think, over two and a half months. So it was supposed to be two weeks. It was like two and a half months, but it was beautiful. And then Shakina joined us for a couple of weeks and then they both went their separate ways. I feel like at some point they'll be rejoining us, but I feel like we're not to do it here alone. And there's a beauty in doing it, even if it's a two, two, three, four, two, three, four, whatever that might look for you, to get together and just go on a road trip and then maybe that road trip turns international and it's almost like I see it. It's like, cause we're spreading our light. It's almost like our own pilgrimage. If you want to uh, equate it to kind of like how the disciples used to walk mm. and spread the light spread the le- the message, this is just the new way of doing it. This is the more, if you want to say new earth or the way of doing it, but you're, it's, it doesn't have to be hard and it's ease and grace and it's all joy. If it doesn't feel like fun, find the fun and that's what you do and make it joyful. Yeah, I'm hearing that more and more people are going to be doing this, being told to do this. And it's of course it's for their highest good. I
0: yeah, I love that. And it just feels like that's what we used to do. We're going back to that more being in groups and collaboration and yeah, like working off each other, like everyone contributing their unique thread to the tapestry and then somehow weaving it together and coming apart and not being fixed into that group mindset of, like, everyone has to believe the same thing and do the same thing and always be, like you were saying, like, you were with some travelling companions, then they've gone their own way and then they'll come back and there'll be people coming and going because it's ever-evolving and it's not stagnant. Like, sometimes I think what's happening with the world right now is a lot of people are in these fixed positions and the energy is very stagnant around them. And I think we're being encouraged to like get out and move and like maybe move house or move country or whatever it is just to kind of shake things up a little bit (laughs) and allow new energy to come in and get more like revitalized or energized or whatever that thing is for us. It feels like we're kind of right on the edge of an exciting new time of people being able to maybe move more freely, whether that be through mm-hmm. like new technologies for travel or whatever it is where we can move a lot more easily and it's not so expensive and difficult. Right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: And I just know by doing that, it actually has opened up my creative process for future projects and programs that will come forward by being on this journey. And that's something that I'm working together with Tony to do this together. And I'm excited about it because for me, it feels like the next step for me. I think maybe my one-on-one sessions will always be there, but they may not be in the foreground. They're going to move more to the background that will always be there and be available. Obviously, I came forward. I had the Earth Star, which I do online. And then the Circle of Lightwood is what I did in Perth was a personal gathering I think those are also going to be like the second layer and then I'm going to have this new layer but all available different availabilities of how we each will work and but you don't get that those feelings or that information unless you go out and listen to your guidance and maybe do the journeys or do whatever it is that you're being guided to do because there's reason Mm because even those that travel that traveled with me the two gals it really got her, one of them, excited, done excited about what she knows is her next step in that process. So, yeah. yeah, it just makes space for what's supposed to come through, which I absolutely love. And yeah, it's, it comes naturally.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. I've loved chatting to you. I look forward to when I can next see you in person. And I'll share below your links but if people are interested in working with you can you just briefly share like what it is that you're offering at the moment and how they can work with you
1: I'm my ray of light is always available these are my one-on-one zoom sessions healing and advanced healing and activation sessions I do have my way of mastery which are one-on-one individual sessions in person that's I have to i a little more flexed. That's also based on where my nomad journey is, and if I'm in a place long enough to be there to give it Earth Star. I work very organically with the Earth Star and the Circle of Light. The Earth Star is seeming to come through about once every six weeks, and that's an online group, and that's about bringing star seeds together from all over the world. I come in and do a beautiful activation and healing, and generally a lot of that. The information around that it goes out through my email list, so a lot of valuable information there and the circle of light once again that's in person and that's all through divine guidance like I was t- literally told four days before we ended up in Singapore that I was doing a circle light in Singapore so I had four days to pull it together and it happened beautifully so yeah and I like I said future projects coming hopefully they will be available soon and that has to
0: be with working with
1: us in person yeah. so yeah
0: magical well thank you and it's absolutely yeah it's lovely every time I speak to you I get a little bit excited I feel like a joyful excitement so thank you so much thank you thank you for inviting
1: thank you.
0: me thank you thank you so much, you so much for listening If you've enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to click subscribe to be notified of new episodes as they're released. And if you would like to show your support for the podcast, please leave a review of what you've enjoyed and any donations are also much appreciated. You can follow me on Instagram at Becoming Iris Podcast and stay up to date with all of my offerings, including one-on-one sessions, courses and retreats. I hope you'll join me next time on Becoming Iris for more Starseed Stories.